Rebecca West, A Portrait If you are reading the biography of virtually any significant British or American writer from, say, 1910 to 1980, you may find a reference to Rebecca West. The biographer will probably be quoting from one of her book reviews or reminiscences, for she was among the finest critics and raconteurs of her age, and indeed of any age. Virginia Woolf once wrote to her, as an admirer who actually drove eight miles the other day to buy a copy of the Daily Telegraph in order not to miss your article. This is not an effort I am in the habit of making, but a proof of the great admiration with which I hold your work. Because West could speak as brilliantly as she wrote, her words made the rounds in the Anglo-American literary community, a much more cohesive world than can be imagined in the midst of today's culture of multinational conglomerates. England and America served as her platform, in a way not available to literary figures today. Via television, a writer reaches more people than she did, but not with the alternately seductive and astringent prose of a brilliant mind at the top of her form as a journalist and biographer possessed of a flamboyant imagination that made her a formidable novelist as well. The entry on her in the Columbia Encyclopedia contains the succinct verdict, one of the finest writers of prose in 20th century Britain. West, in person, provoked startled comments. Virginia Woolf has left the most vivid portrait. A cross between a charwoman and a gypsy, but as tenacious as a terrier with flashing eyes. Virginia found Rebecca an unkempt genius and called her a hardened liar, but she also admired her immense vitality and intelligence. Rebecca reciprocated, lauding Virginia's uncompromising feminism and Leonardo beauty, but faulting her for untidiness, saying she was not turned out well and looked as though she had been drawn through a hedge backwards. Rebecca had an engaging directness that threatened yet exhilarated Virginia. Rebecca was fascinating, ungainly, awkward, powerful, arboreal, like some sloth or mandrel. But oh, what a joy to grapple with her hairy arms. I mean, she was very upstanding and outspoken, and we discussed religion, sex, literature, and other problems for three hours. A dismayed Rebecca lived to read Virginia's letters and objected that she did not have hairy arms. Rebecca flashed through places and lives and left behind a fearful vacuum. Her darting dragonfly dialogue could leave her company gasping in her wake and wondering, what did she mean about, if only I had asked her about? Coming into a party, she halted and in a loud stage whisper observed, my first solicitor, a bad choice. The journalist Dorothy Thompson, one of Rebecca's fondest friends, said, You always invite a conversation. Rebecca wanted to give good value. Receiving a gift meant putting the ball into play, hoping her correspondent or conversationalist would bat it back, continuing the game. Thanking her niece, Alison McLeod, for a Christmas present of chocolate-covered plums for Rebecca's husband, Rebecca remarked, Henry is mad on prunes in any form, and I feed them to him on a conveyor belt. Several friends attested to her ability to draw them out. She did not impose herself on her company. 
She made me loquacious. She made me articulate, remembers magazine editor Fleur Coles, who often invited Rebecca to her Sussex home. She made you feel like you were the person she really wanted to meet, actor Michael Dennison observes. During a party at her country home, Rebecca spotted Rosalind Burden-Taylor, the daughter of Greta Mortimer, an old acting school chum. There you are. I've just named a cow after you.